ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive in the classic matches along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Payoff. Welcome to an all-new episode of The Payoff. I'm Tom. That's Jeff. We're stepping into the lion's den. Um, I, I'm excited for this one, man. It's it's something a little different. I mean, it's not something that we we do often, um, something you know, off-site and uh, a completely different uh, fighting environment, if you will. So I'm looking forward to this one, and I don't know. It, 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 it could very well be better than I think, or it could just completely suck. I, I don't know what to expect, but uh, looking forward to this one. So uh, you put it on the list. So how in the hell are you doing, and, and why'd you pick this match? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. You know, we're in the heat of the summer here. This is good. Can't believe it's, uh, you know, at this point, late August. And so payback this weekend, all out this weekend, a lot of wrestling coming up. And so that's excited about. But this one, yeah, it's just uh, we have not done a singles Ken Shamrock. Uh, match yeah ever and so we had the kind of survivor series stuff but i really wanted to uh, he's always he just seems like you know kind of like a brock type of guy where like if you were to see him on the street he could kill you you know um and he's just not talked about much nowadays i feel like like every once in a while he'll pop up in an interview and seems like you know uh has his his shit together like you know doesn't seem like he's you know crazy post wrestling or anything like that and you know he'll comment every once in a while and doesn't have any hot takes or anything like that, but just always um, interesting to see him. And I remember, you know, when he was in his prime, like he was like, he had the look, he was great. And so I think, you know, just kind of looking forward to talking about that. And then also, you know, Owen Hart's Owen Hart, you know, we enjoy talking about him as well, you know, here too. And so that's just one. And like you said, it's, we'll, we'll get into it, but it was just a totally different way how they did this match, which I think was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and I'm looking forward to talking a little bit about Ken Shamrock too. You're right; it's just someone that's just, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised he's not around a little bit more. You don't hear more about him. Um, so, anyways, let's mm. um, let's get right into this one and jump into the build. Oh, it's time for the build. So, SummerSlam 1998, and we'll we'll talk more about the attitude era i think during this if if we have time um if if not actually next week we can talk about this but just a a topic i want to spend a little time on is just looking back at the different eras because i feel like we're you know we're we're in an era right now in the wwe and there's been other eras and i want to talk about those eras and compare those eras i think that'd be fun to do but Mm. you know this was obviously you know smack dab in the middle of the attitude era um so SummerSlam 98 were we have three dark matches that I'm assuming were were on heat but uh yeah. man LOD losing to uh Brian Christopher and Scotty Taylor um man it just and, and again I I know that you know people say 
Uh, physically, they were, you know, washed up and there was no gas left in the tank. But, man, it's just hard to imagine Legion of Doom not dominating. Uh, mm-hmm. Gangrel is going to defeat Dustin Runnels. And uh, the Disciples of Apocalypse are going to defeat Bradshaw and Vader. So those are our uh, three pre-SummerSlam matches. Now, the show starts off D'Lo Brown defeating Val Venus by DQ in 15 minutes to retain his European championship. You've heard me say this before, Jeff, but neither guy could take a pin. Like, how Mm -hmm. how do you go 15 minutes and end it in a DQ? Like, I just, I feel like we're getting less of that now. I mean, TV's fine, but like a pay-per-view, what's the point of going 15 minutes if you're not going to pay it off at all? Especially to open your show with that. Like, get ready. Here comes, you know, D'Lo Brown's music hits to open. Yeah. And I mean, if, if, if you need one guy to win to continue the feud, then you have it be a fluke or you have someone cheat or, you know, there, there's devices where guys can win or lose without the, the feud necessarily ending. And, and I think they've done better with that. The oddities are going to defeat Kai and Ty in a handicap match. I think it was three on four. Uh, the oddities had three. Okay. Um, X-Pac's going to defeat Jeff Jarrett in a hair versus hair match in 11 minutes. Edge and Sable are going to defeat Jacqueline and Mark Marrow in eight minutes. Then the match we covered. Then the New Age Outlaws are going to defeat Mankind to win the tag team championship in a false count anywhere handicap match in five minutes. And really, Jeff, you know, I, I think that the match we're going to cover was part of the hype for this show but really it's a two match show you Mm. have the ic ladder match triple h defeating the rock which was a fantastic match between these two and i I really think elevated both of them um and then steve austin defeats the undertaker a highway to hell great build great uh pre-package um but the actual match eh. um again they just didn't have people for Steve Austin to feud with during this era, as crazy as it sounds. So that's the show. Uh, how in the hell did we end up in a Lions Den match uh, between these two? Yeah, kind of interesting. And like you said, overall, like they could maybe could have shuffled this card a little bit and it would have been better, but who knows? Like, you know, it's just, it will, we'll never know. And so, um, so this one, so this SummerSlam, of course, taking place August 30th, 1998. Like I said, we haven't talked about Kem Shamrock a whole lot. So I wanted to get a little bit of a background here. He actually made a face debut. It would have been February 24th, 1987. So about, or 1997. Yikes. Yeah. Not that old. Um, had about an 18 month, you know, or 18 months prior to this show it was on Monday Night Raw. Uh, again, early June of 1998, that was when he was in the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, he beat Mark Henry, comma, The Rock, it was, and uh, Jeff Jarrett actually winning that 1998 King of the Ring. Um, he had a brief feud with King Mabel, as we all know, the very memorable Ken Shamrock, King Mabel uh, feud. You know, that, that I know it's at least in your top five, uh, maybe top three for a lot of you. So I just, you know, of course, going that. And so um, kind of a little back and forth after that, you know, Jeff Jarrett, you know, going at 
had it with some of the people from that King of the Ring tournament, but then getting into a feud with Owen Hart, there was actually it fully loaded. There was the Hart family dungeon match uh, taking place at that one. So fully loaded was July. We get into August at this one. So it's kind of a continuation of these weird locked in a cell type or, you know, locked in a room type matches. Um <clears throat> Uh, Owen on this one, it would have been just about a month after WrestleMania. Um, he had actually been tagging with Mark Henry, uh, or excuse me, he had a tag team match with Can Shamrock against Mark Henry in The Rock. Uh, it's at the time still going by Rocky uh, Maya Villa. Uh, he turned on um, Shamrock in that match, became a part of, as we all know, the however you feel about it, becoming uh, one of the leaders of the nation of domination. And this is when, and I had forgotten exactly when this started, uh, but this is when he started the uh, enough is enough and it's time for a change catchphrase. And so um, really after he joined the nation, that's when you had them feuding with DX, but uh, coming back though, to feud with Shamrock was actually had hurt his leg prior to that heart family dungeon match. And so they kind of, you know, they tagged, they they broke up. It looked like they had a story planned for these guys. And then Shamrock got hurt, but then you come back, uh, Shamrock comes back, you know, selling the injury. You know, it was real, but using it as part of the story um, to get these couple of matches. And so you kind of wonder what would have been if he wasn't hurt, but we still end up with this stuff. So they obviously felt pretty good about having these two guys together, continuing the story. So this is coming off of the Hart Family Dungeon match. We now get this this lion's den match. Um, and like you said, it was filmed a little bit different. It actually, it, uh, well, this, uh, the overall was taking place at Madison square garden. As you'll see, when you turn this on, they are not in Madison square garden. They are actually somewhere else for this one. And so, um, yeah, but we'll get, talk about that a little bit during the match as well though, too, but yeah, that's a nice little build pretty much. Good man. Well, I'm I'm pumped to cover this one, and we can we can look it up. But that was uh, and I and I should have mentioned that. But this was in a adjacent uh, property of Madison Square Garden. I, I believe it's called the theater, Madison Square Garden Theater, or something like that. But it's um, just a a building that's either attached or across the street from Madison Square Garden. Um, and I think, and I, and I could be making this up. So, but I, but I think that was a building that was at least considered or looked at for Monday night raw back in 1993. So, so think of a, a building that's very similar to that. And of course they ended up just down the street, um, at the Manhattan center. So I'm pumped to cover this one. And, and by the way, if you've never been to Madison Square Garden, you got to go. It's right in the city. It's so iconic. There's just something when you hear the wrestlers talk about the garden, it, it they're not wrong. I mean, you just, you just feel it. Right. And, and, and it's just such a cool spot. So, um, you know, obviously New York city, New York crowd, but you get that in Brooklyn too, but the garden is just different, but, but attend something there live, go to, go to a Knicks game, go to, uh, you know, a college basketball game. That's what I used to do is go to a lot of college basketball games there, uh, in the big East tournament, but just an awesome venue. I, ironically, I've actually never been there for wrestling. I've just been there for like four or five other things. So, um, <laughs> we're at the one hour and 14 minute mark of SummerSlam 1998, one hour and 14 minute mark SummerSlam 1998 season 11. Jeff, are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. I am. I am 
anxiously uh, awaiting this one. This is going to be a lot of fun. So let's get into the payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. Just looks so intimidating. Mentally ready. And certainly it is possible, King, to be too ready for something. Real, I mean, a real good building. I don't know how interesting it was to be there live. It just, it's like, it's real flat. Like, I mean, I'm assuming that, Mm -hmm. like, they just brought in some risers, but for the most part, everyone's like on the ground. I'm assuming that they live streamed the rest of the SummerSlam show for this audience so they could watch the rest of the show. Um, so Dan Severin is in Owen Hart's corner. Shamrock's here. I, I don't remember this Owen Hart T-shirt. He's got that those uh, black and yellow tights on when he was doing kind of the caution tape thing, which I always thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, to to kind of you were right. It is the theater. Um, and a little quote on this one. Um, it said, with SummerSlam being held in Madison Square Garden, the set was typically small. Thus, there was no room for a wrestling ring and an entirely separate lion's den cage. The solution was to uh, put the cage downstairs in Madison Square Garden's theater. Got it. Okay. So that that that's true. They wouldn't have. They, it wasn't like they had the big set where they could have put this somewhere. Okay. that That actually makes sense. But yeah, it sold some extra tickets for it. Yeah, and one of the reviews is the inaugural Lions Den match felt more like an event in its own right rather than a mere gimmick match on a pay-per-view undercard. Now, this do you have to win by submission? Uh I will look it up. I'm not sure. Okay. Man, Shamrock just looks so real in, in mm. everything that he does. I I, I Okay, so you know what's funny is, think about this, okay? So Sh- Shamrock, what was the only thing that probably held him back um, was his personality. Just, you know, kind of dry. He's not going to go cut a, you know, a, a great five-minute promo. Okay, under understood. Imagine Paul Heyman with him. Mm. Yeah, crazy. I mean, that would have been that that's how you would have, you know, it would have been an entirely different career. Yeah. So this says uh, pinfall submission exiting through the door or climbing over the top of the cage to the arena floor. But I'm not sure at this point exactly what the rules were. Um, it says there's no DQ. Anything goes. Yeah. But at this point, they may have not. Uh, it may have been a little different rules. But yeah. I mean, this is a good like. I know it's not maybe as um, useful as a wrestling ring, but you know you can throw guys kind of into the cage. You could have them bounce off the cage and kind of function like ropes. You can climb the cage and jump off the platform that's there. Mm. The actual mat looks like a ring canvas, so I mean you should be able to do any bump that you would do there. So I mean there's still a lot you can do with this. I mean you don't want thirty minute match inside of there, but you know you can do a really fun ten minute match. Owen's bleeding from his mouth. Already, uh, yep. So Shamrock last wrestled in 2001. He had a, a match in TNA, a uh, eight-person match. Um, and then a couple matches in 2020 in TNA. And then prior to that, his his last match 
between 2004 and 2009 was a 2004 match uh, against Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, it wasn't there. Didn't I think most recently the news I remember about him was he wanted to. They just had this line that was the Riddle Rollins match, and didn't he want to be involved with that in some way too, either as a ref or something like oh, that? Probably. I know that, they yeah. must, they must just not. I mean, he's never been back for anything. Obviously, not in the Hall of Fame. Never at like a Raw anniversary show. I mean, I've never heard anything, but like he's just not someone that they invite to stuff. I I think he may just be a little bit of a wild card, and they just don't bother. Um, but yeah, they just really don't do anything with him, right? Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously absolutely. for a for a you know like that riddle thing. Gosh, I mean, what a what a perfect uh, ref, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, best matches of his career. Um, the best match was uh, he was part of that Calgary Stampede match. Now, if you can believe it, according to Meltzer, um, this was one of his best matches. Hmm. Okay. This was this was uh, up there. Uh, there was a three-way steel cage match with uh, Mankind and The Rock. There were a couple singles matches with The Rock. Uh, there was a Mankind match. There was a three-and-a-quarter star match with uh, Vader. So, uh, yeah, all his WWE stuff. There was only one uh, TNA match that kind of registered here. But, yeah, interesting. It's it is interesting watching them like bounce off the cage like uh like the ropes or like come off the cage like the ropes. It just doesn't make a ton of sense, but whatever. You you know, I you you mentioned the King of the Ring. To me, I think part of the King of the Ring's downfall was not giving people that automatic uh world title shot. So mm-hmm. to me, the King of the Ring, you know, I mean the Bret Hart won, okay, he wins, that's cute. Owen wins, okay, we're you know continuing the Bret Owen thing. Uh, you know, when Mabel won, it was for a title shot. I, I think it should have been for a title shot every year. The year Lesnar won, it was for a title shot as well. That was the year that's right, won. yeah. So I but I just think every year it should have been. Now they may have said, Oh, well, we're doing Undertaker Austin. I mean, figure out a way to get out of it or whatever. But like I, I think the king of the ring, I think actually. If you treated it, you know, in a way like a uh, Royal Rumble of the summer, hey, in in order to get that title shot or a title shot at SummerSlam, you have to win the King of the Ring. Um, And and you didn't have to do the whole tournament on the pay-per-view. I mean, you could just do semifinals and finals, or you could have just done the finals, finals for the men, final for the women. But with the two world titles now, you have the flexibility to where you could have done that. So that's what what I would – have suggested may have kept the it more relevant yeah i think that like especially with you and me going back and watching a lot of this stuff i, I think it would be interesting just to have like a king of the ring queen of the ring show and have all the matches on that because i think then you build up to it it adds a little bit more to the story about like they've overcome like this whole day like just doing the finals in saudi arabia like i think takes away a little bit from it also like can you name this year's king and queen of the ring well, like, no. wow that was a really cool move by shamrock he kind of that bounce off the, the yeah, yeah kind of bounce line. off it. Wow, hell of a kick too, man. He's hitting him stiff. Yeah, he did it yeah. again. Oh, man. Yeah, and there was a nice little suplex there by Owen. Oh. Damn. Cool. Wow. Yeah, this is – I mean, this is pretty good, man. Um, good stuff. Yeah, man. but you, you don't know who the winners no, I don't, are. Right? Yeah. I, don't remember, I don't remember who won the uh, the King of the Ring or the Queen of the Ring, honestly. I mean, I watched it. Who? Do you remember? No. 
All I know that it was at the Saudi shows, which was very good, which uh, named the last uh, you and I were technically named the last bad or even mediocre WWE pay-per-view. Oh God, it's been, it's been years. I mean, maybe one of the Thunderdome ones or whatever wasn't that great. I, I, I mean, but performance center pay-per-view, I, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, everything they've done in front of a crowd has been at least enjoyable to watch, if not off the charts good. Every single time. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, my, uh, I'm finally getting a pay-per-view that's coming near me uh, in a couple oh, yeah. months or a couple weeks here. And I convinced my wife it's going to be her first show. And so I know I texted you. I was like, I got, it's like a deer in headlights. I got to play this carefully. Like I've got, you know, I got it ready. And so I'm able to do this. And so, uh, you know, we're going to get tickets and go to that. But yeah, I, like, I don't think like me just as a wrestling fan i'm excited but i am excited because i feel like even for her she doesn't necessarily need the story to get super involved but i think that it's just the crowd hopefully i'm praying for a good crowd so yeah well i hope so too you know it's interesting because pittsburgh and indy kind of came out of nowhere after london and puerto rico and WrestleMania, right. right so it's in montreal so it's kind of weird but i'm hoping that those crowds both show up um yeah so, yeah we'll well, and, and so I'm, I'm getting fast lane and so i hope like it's after payback probably the next one will be could be survivor series after that so we could be on the road they haven't officially announced it but i'm like early october so you know it's it's hard to say exactly what's going to happen you know with that but right now where they're at you know i i can't see him doing wrong so yeah well it's funny you're going to take your wife i'm going to take the next time they're here and i don't know when it is um the next time they're here i'm going to take my three-year-old to his first show i have no idea how it's going to go he may not sit still he may hate it or he may just be mesmerized. I really have no idea. I'm kind of hoping it's like a raw, so there's like yep. a cool stimulation. All right, so ankle lock for angle. Severin's not throwing in the towel. He's walking away, kind of turning his back on Owen. Looks like Owen is tapping. Yep. Quick one, or felt quick at least, but yeah. I thought that was good. good. Yeah, it was. Very, a lot of action, fast paced. Man, I, you know, there there was money. There was money in Shamrock, and you mm -hmm. know, part of the problem, Jeff, is during this era they were so resistant to managers. Like you, you look now, and now we have some managers. Obviously, in the '80s, every heel had a manager. I mean, what's Roman Reigns without Paul Heyman? What's Brock Lesnar without Paul Heyman? I mean, you know, you know, I just some of these guys just need a mouthpiece. Maybe not forever, but like to at least you know carry them along. And I, I just, I don't know. I think that's what he needed. Was he just needed a manager? So, mm -hmm. anyways. Um, I really like that. Let's get into the aftermath. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. All right. What'd you think? That's great. I think that that's one of those like short, fast paced matches that it, even the, it 10 the, minutes, 11 minutes was perfect. And the gimmick didn't interfere. 
Like oh. it was while it was important to the match and the story, it was not like it didn't take away from it. It wasn't, you know, extreme or, you know, elimination chamber, extreme rules where, or, you know, weapons all over the place. Like it made, and it also made sense. Like that's like hell in a cell. Triple H doesn't want to do it anymore because you need to, you know, it needs to make sense. This made sense for these guys to be in this one. Yep. I, I thought I, yeah, I thought the, the, the gimmick, you know, there are some limitations in that, but not so many that they can't work a good match and it be exciting. So I, yep. yeah, just a, just a really big fan of that, man. I'm very, very happy with that. Yeah. So after this one, you had actually Shamrock uh, winning the vacant intercontinental championship. It was on raw. He beat X-Pac. There was just an eight man tournament. Um, his first defense was against mankind beat him. That was a judgment or in your house judgment day, whatever you want to call it. Um, he then was in the deadly games tournament. It was actually the vacant WWE championship at survivor series. Uh, he eventually lost to the rock on that one uh, and then joining the corporation uh as well and so he kind of wanted to be a part of that faction and so he defended uh the title or intercontinental championship title against steve blackman that was a capital carnage um and then a weird uh, he, he teamed with the big boss man actually of course we know i'm a big boss man mark around here and so the two of them uh going after the tag team championship uh unsuccessfully going after degeneration x uh and not winning at rock bottom in your house. Um, but it was interesting because they didn't win there, but they did. So of course you forget about the, uh, Ken Shamrock, big boss man, tag team championship run. And at the time making Ken Shamrock a dual champion. And so, um, forgot about that, of course. And so, um, yeah, just really weird. Um, and so, but Hart on this one, of course, uh, was with the Nation of Domination actually through most of 1998 until they started to break up. Uh, he ended up teaming with Jeff Jarrett, as we know. Um, and so they had uh, getting into the Blue Blazer as well. So you had the um, Blue Blazer with... Uh, Hart and Jared Davini, Ken Shamrock in the big boss man for those tag titles. And so just kind of weird. And then they ended up um, a couple of different matches, but you know, nothing, whatever, not really a big deal. I know Jeff Jarrett talks about Owen Hart a lot on his podcast as well, too. He's got the episode, especially when Owen Hart passed away, like talking about that. And so that would kind of go back. That's one I'd recommend kind of go back and watching that one. So um, yeah, just overall, like, again, it feels weird that after this match, it culminated in a boss man, Shamrock, Jarrett, uh, blue blazer tag championship run, but that's wrestling for you in the late nineties. So there you go. But uh, all right. So PWI Shamrock was number eight in 1998. Owen was 15. Um, it's a really high numbers on this one. Uh, the torch uh, Shamrock hit a nice jump reverse sidekick, but Owen came back and rammed Shamrock into the cage. Uh, he applied Severin's chokehold finisher, but Shamrock climbed the cage with his feet flipped over and applied his ankle lock finisher. Uh, Severin walked away disgustedly as Owen tapped out, except for the rebounding off the cage, which they could have 
have done without an inventive hybrid between a standard cage uh, and UFC style contest. Three and a quarter stars. Uh, one of the writers said, Owen and Shamrock did a good job working in what had to be limited circumstances. The small confines of that cage combined with what looked to be a rock hard floor had to be difficult. Both men get a lot of credit for taking repeated bumps on it. Um, and then uh, Observer Newsletter just kind of, yeah, three and a half. So nothing just kind of, excuse me, kind of wrapped up the match. This Dan Severn stuff didn't really make a ton of sense. So, um, yeah, three and a quarter, three and a half. Tom, where do you have this one? I have this at a seven. I mean, like a really solid seven, good, like really enjoyed it. I maybe even could put it higher. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to blow you away, but again, 10 minutes, quick, good feud, good story, something different. Um, I, I, a really, really, really solid seven. How about yourself? Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. I think yeah. that, the, and, and I will say that exceeded what I thought would happen too. And so, yeah, that's one where I, you know, I didn't know what to expect, especially if you say, oh, Lions Den, but that was high action, high intensity, a lot happening. I'd say if you got 10 minutes, go back and watch that one. Like that's one, especially that um, it's worth it just to kind of see what they're doing and what's happening. So, um, yeah. Good stuff overall. I want to remind everybody, of course, too, don't forget about our sponsors here on the payoff. You got Manscaped, 20% off free shipping using the code payoff. As well, Caldera and Lab, 20% off using the same code payoff. And so just payoff everywhere. Try that code. I don't care what you're going for. Let's see what's happening. So Manscaped, 20% off free shipping. Caldera and Lab, 20% off. Whether you need that the men's grooming or uh, you know men's products, whatever you're looking for, it's there. So, uh, yep. Tom, good stuff, Tom. We got some good stuff lined up for next week and the week after as well too but let's uh, send them home happy with this one yeah man i'm pumped this was uh good good work appreciate everyone listening we'll see you next week on an all-new episode of the Pet.